Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, good morning, good morning. I am so excited because today is our fourth birthday. And this has been an incredible week. We had our first official Paris Council meeting on Wednesday. And now today we get to celebrate our church because if there's two things no one should start, especially during a pandemic, it's a restaurant or a church. 80% of new churches fail in the first five years. Are we going to make it? I'm excited to say yes, not because of what we've done, but more importantly, because we continue to be willing to join what we sense the Holy Spirit doing because we honestly believe, or we're, we're continuing to learn to believe that God is here, the Spirit is with us. Everywhere we go, the Spirit is with us. Every step we take, the Spirit is with us. Because God <clears throat> is here, the Spirit is with us. And I'm excited because to acknowledge that God is here, we also have to acknowledge that God's not done. In fact, I don't think this is it. I don't think what we've seen happen in the last four years is what God has planned for the next five years, yet even maybe even the next 12 months. In fact, I'm so excited I'm ready to ask a dangerous question. What if? What if what is stays the same? What if it changes? What if what we've seen God doing is only the beginning of what God is doing What if God is inviting us into more love, connection, community, compassion, generosity, engagement, service, sacrifice? What if? And for me, what if is an energizing and adventurous question, but it's also a dangerous one. Because 10 years ago, I started asking, what if, not out of anger or disappointment, but excitement. Life was good. It was really good. But God doesn't call us to good, he calls us to faithfulness, which in my experience isn't just good, but is what Jesus says, life and life to the fullest. You see, what if can be an exciting time to dream, but if you're serious, what if can become the fertile soil for God to plant a vision for the kingdom of heaven in your life for the sake of those around you? So the fun time of us asking what if turned into our family sensing the Holy Spirit responding, what if you quit your job as a lead pastor, moved hours away to a new city? What if you went somewhere with little or no commit connection or community? What if you stopped doing what is and actually started doing what you as a family sense in your heart should be? What if? Well, five and a half years later, and now four years later as a church, here we are. Not me or us as a family, but we. Because we collectively, everyone in this room and those of you who are listening online and those of you who just meet in our tables during the week, and certainly those who weren't able to even to be here this morning, but we, we are reunion. We're four years old, all because of a little question. What if? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to share our culture statements because they are also a result of our early what-ifs. What if we focused on becoming apprentices of Jesus? What if we cared less about Sunday conversations and instead put a lot more effort and intention and emphasis on the ones around our tables? What if we party because God is good news 
What if we were known as peacemakers because reconciliation is at the heart of the kingdom of God? What if we were willing to try new things because love doesn't get old, it actually finds new ways to express itself? What if we did all of that and people from different places caught the vision and wanted in? Would we let them? Would we help them start where they were because love is needed at home in their communities? What if? But today I want to start by sharing something not mentioned in our culture statements, but very much present in our community. A mosaic. For most of us, I'm assuming our experience with this type of art is from grade school or even today, our kids in Sunday school. A bunch of papers, colorful and fine, perfect in fact, are somehow, or for some reason, torn into little pieces and scattered. At first glance, these pieces are junk, right? A nuisance certainly to the janitor or parents, even with creative kids. They're often leftovers of some other project. But under the supervision of someone with a vision and an idea, in the hands of an artist, these scraps are taken, placed, glued, and formed into a beautiful picture. Something, in fact, impossible before. Those individual pieces could never accomplish what now, yes, even in their torn state, are now because they're united together. And I love mosaics because someone looks at these torn leftovers and wonders, hmm, what if? And so this is one of the first what-ifs that I started asking as a reconstructing pastor. What if there was a safe place for the discarded, the broken, hurt, harmed, and shamed, or uncomfortable to heal and to find reunion with God and the church? What if a mosaic of the broken could be made into a beautiful work of art called a church? You see, there is a demographic of people so large, it's a demographic referred to as the Duns. Done with the church, if not entirely done with God. In tradition, maybe the one that I grew up in, certainly, and maybe yours, would say that they're backsliders, or worse, they've never been saved. But as I listened, and as I listened to their stories, they sound like pieces of paper who've been cut, torn, ripped, hurt, and harmed, and left on the floor deemed unusable, or in fact, in many cases, overused. They find themselves done. It's not a term one wears with pride, because, it's often, because it often marks a wound, like the torn edges of paper on the floor. Done because they asked too many questions, didn't have enough faith, or struggled to fit their expanding faith in doctrinal boxes with very tight lids. Done because they are women who want to be pastors, done because they are people who love the same gender, done for these and many other reasons. Josh Packard in his book Church Refugees, and you can see this on our table notes, found by having conversations with a, like, a huge amount of duns, found that there was kind of four consistent traits or reasons people left the church. And the first one was people were searching for a loving community, but instead they got judgment. People were looking for transformative activity, but instead they got bureaucracy. People were looking for true conversation, but instead they got one-sided doctrinal monologue. People were looking for meaningful ministry about things that matter, but instead they got shallow moral prescriptions. So these duns left the church feeling hurt, unused, or overused. Some have the courage to bounce around looking for a new home where others have given up hope of home again. Some believe their experience of church is representative of faith and have walked away from all of it. 
So I began to wonder, what if there was a place for the torn to reunion with God? What if a collection of broken, unused, and overused people could find safety, community, healing, faith, and Christ again? Wouldn't that be a beautiful mosaic? Wouldn't that be a church? And if you think it sounds too good to be true, I think it sounds so true to Christ, it's good. And each year I call you to memory the first people Jesus chose to follow him. In a culture where only the best of the best of the best were chosen by rabbis to be apprentices, this rabbi, Jesus, deliberately chose blue-collar, everyday people who would be mocked, judged, and ridiculed, not because of what they were doing with Jesus so much as because of who they were before Jesus. You see, they, were chosen by, they weren't chosen by others because they never made the grade or they could never meet the expectations. Some were straight-up sinners, political adversaries, a prostitute, a demon-possessed, certainly power-hungry brothers, or ignorant fishermen. If you're going to build a movement, plant a church, you wouldn't pick these people. But I can see Jesus walking down the beach or strolling through the streets and seeing people and wondering, what if? And in Matthew chapter 9, we actually have one of these what-if moments. It says this in Matthew 9, pick it up in verse 9. Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner, now pause, this is a cultural sign of a lifelong commitment to friendship to one another. It's a big deal. Having dinner isn't just like having brunch with a, an acquaintance. This is, this is an intimate moment. And so it says this, Jesus having dinner at Matthew's house and many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. Matthew invites his buddies to come with Jesus. And so when the Pharisees, who are the religious elite, they saw this, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? AKA, why is he showing commitment in including these or those people? Or Eugene Peterson translates it, what kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and misfits? Verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus, who we believe, or at least some of us here at Reunion at this point, that he is the voice in the presence of God. Listen to how Jesus responds. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, there's a lot of words in there and certainly some that can be triggering. So please, please bear with me. Stick with me because what if Jesus is 100% right? What if the way Jesus went about connecting to people is exactly the way the church should? What if the way of Jesus is actually the way of the church? What if the church isn't a place where people have it all together, agree with all the right or at least presented statements or can check all the boxes, but instead is a place where anyone sick can find the healing care of Christ and his community? Now, sick is an interesting word choice for Jesus because sickness, at least as I was thinking about it this week, can be twofold. Sickness can be things we do, right? I can 100% treat my body in such a way that I get sick. But most of the time in our home, sickness just happens, especially in the first two weeks of school. Sickness is something that we've caught or has been passed on to us from others or just randomly happens in our body. 
it's out of our control. Sickness happens to us more than it happens because of us. Let me say that again. Sickness happens to us more than it happens because of us. And so what if there was a place for the sick to find the healing care of Christ and his community? Wouldn't that be worth it? But he goes on to say, what if there was a church that desires mercy, not sacrifice? Now, sacrifice was the name of the game during Jesus' day. 200 plus laws and regulations, most of which were created by people, not God. And these Pharisees, the religious elite, they knew how to sacrifice. They knew how to give something on up. They knew how to take something on. They knew how to toe the line or at least play between them. And in doing so had become very good at noticing who wasn't doing it. You see, they had become very good at the law, but very bad at love. And this is maybe a warning for us that we can become very good at the rules and very bad at loving our neighbors. But pay attention because Jesus has something to say to these lawmen. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, it means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. What is referred to as compassion? Let me say, say that again. God desires mercy. He desires kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. What is referred to as compassion? God desires mercy, not sacrifice. You see, God doesn't desire a group of people who can sacrifice for the sake of the law, but will show mercy for the sake of people, for the sake of love. What if there was a community defined by mercy? What if there was a church characterized by kindness or goodwill towards the miserable, the afflicted, joined with a desire to help them? What if the Duns could find a reunion with God and the church? We'll pick this up again next week, but Jesus makes it clear his community is about mercy, not adherence, healing, not harm, inclusion, not evasion. Jesus made a point and one the church ought to imitate by choosing everyday people instead of surrounding himself with the so-called elite. Jesus chose the accused, the outcast, the overlooked, the sick people, and by showing mercy made one heck of a mosaic. He built his church. What if we did it too? After four years together, many of us would say, we have. This what ha if has become our reality. We are a place where many of you have found a reunion with God and the church. We are a community made up of people with a difficult past with the church, and you were either done or on your way out, and you've trusted us enough to give this one last try. This is an incredible blessing and responsibility that I and your leadership teams hold gently with grace and respect. But what if there's more? More duns, more hurt, harmed, afflicted, and miserable people, not only because of the church, but because of life. Reunion has become a place for us, but what if reunion was a community as well for them? What if we could make a bigger table? What if we could eat a few more meals? What if we ignored the glaring eyes and showed even more that we're here for mercy, not sacrifice? That we're here for the sick because what if those broken could be included in this mosaic we call our church? What if mercy could keep going, keep spreading, and keep healing? What if it's worth it? What if it's worth trying? But... But we're on our way, are we not? 
And the more people we get and collect, and it's beautiful, the more that we learn together to love and to show mercy and to be apprentices of Jesus. And our culture statements are taking root as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. The crowds are growing. And that's beautiful news. It's exciting news for us. But the same thing was happening in Matthew chapter 9. If you continue to read the chapter, you'll see that uh, Jesus continues to treat others as he has with Matthew. He's including them. He's healing them. He's caring for the sick in their lives. (laughs) And people are coming. But the apprentices are getting a little frustrated because they don't have a lot of time to listen to Jesus anymore. They're, They're more about crowd control than they are paying attention And so Jesus turns to them in Matthew 9, 37, and he says this, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I said, what if can be a dangerous question because the answers often include the ones asking it. If you turn the page to chapter 10, the very next thing Jesus does is send his followers out. In essence, Jesus is saying, you've seen me do it, now do the same. So as our church continues to grow, as people continue to reunion with God, our last what if is, what if we all helped? Because God's not done. Mercy hasn't ran out. The people aren't all healed. The duns aren't all home. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What if we dreamt, but what if we helped? What if today we celebrated what God is doing and honestly asked ourselves, what if I helped? You've seen on the the table the list of ways that you can get involved. And we're certainly not a plug and play church. We're not just going to throw you into a need because we have one. Because we know that you have passions and gifts and dreams. We'd love you to help by finding a place there that suits you. But you're also going to notice that there's a page that just says, what if? That's where you can write an idea of what we could do, what we might expand, or how we might even uh, shift gears, or things that we could sing, or ways that we could love, and areas that we could serve. And What if? Because we know that God's not done, and so what if we all help? Which brings me also importantly to this last group that I'd like to speak to this morning. If you're brand new to Reunion, if this is your first time or your second time, I want you to know that you're home with us. That's a big statement and it's, it's one you got to maybe experience a little bit more, I know. But we believe that you are crew, that you are Reunion. So there's no box to check or certainly no line to sign. You're, you are Reunion. But are you broken, unused, overused, torn, burnt out, tired, lonely, sad? Are you depressed? Are you addicted, rejected, harmed, angry? Are you skeptical, cynical, wondering, curious, or even cautious? I want to thank you in the midst of all of those things that you're here. You've taken a big risk to be with us this morning. You're faithful in your reunion. Welcome to your church. And so as we spend a few minutes now hanging out, as we, as we reflect, I pray that you encounter a community marked by mercy because God's not done and we're here to help. And so Tim's going to come up and he's going he's to play a, and sing a song that you're, you're invited to sing or you can just sit in reflection. But we are going to take a few moments now to just uh, sit, in, uh, sit in reflection and respond to what might be happening in your spirit. What is God saying to you this morning and how are you going to respond? 
Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com and we're always here to walk with you.